in episode 326 of Arsenal Gothenburg podcast. Uh, it's me, Philip Tolf, uh, and with me, like I said in the last episode, it's Andrew Arsblog Mangan. Um, and we talk a little bit about everything in this episode. I've done this, I have to say, I've done this intro like fifth, five, six, seven times now, um, and I can't get it right. So this time, I was like, fuck it, I'm just gonna do it. So if I say something stupid, and uh, so just go with it, yeah? Uh, in this episode, we talk a little bit about everything, um, different, way, different ways to look at football. We talk about Robert Perez, we talk about Bukayo Saka, we talk about uh, shirts numbers, we talk about this season so far, uh, obviously. And we uh, also answer to some questions that you send to us. Um, felt like I nailed it there, didn't I? Great. Um, keep pushing, Philip. Go on. Um, and before I uh, go on with the show, and left it over to me, myself and Andrew... Just some uh, commercial for Arsenal Gothenburg. Uh, if you want to know more about us, Arsenal Gothenburg, you can visit our webpage. It's arsenalgoteborg.se. Sounds so weird in like Swedish, but uh, there you go. And we also have social media at ArsenalGBG on Twitter and Instagram, and a Facebook page, which is uh, Arsenal Göteborg Forum, and an uh, Facebook like side do you even say that i don't know uh, which is just arsenal jotaboli so go there uh, click and like and retweet and like and comment whatever you want to do uh, that would be great so without further ado this is me and ours blog here we go Hello, 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 and welcome to Arsenal Gothenburg Podcast, a podcast for Arsenal fans by Arsenal fans to Arsenal fans, where emotions runs the show. Uh, my name is Philip Tolf, and like I said on last episode, this is a bonus episode since we didn't record an uh, episode uh, last week. Yes. Um, and with me to celebrate this bonus episode, so to speak, is the one and only podcast guru, uh, Andrew Arsblood Mangan. Or Andrew, yes. welcome back to the show. Hello. Thank you very much. I, yeah, and I, I don't know if um, this is actually a bonus episode. Like if you didn't do one and now you're doing this one, it's kind of like, you know, you've missed one. A bonus is one on mm. top of the one that you should have done already. So, you know, I, I don't want to like pick holes in your intro there or anything <laughs> like that. But uh, anyway, it's nice to be here again. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, just a bit of a you know technical struggle mm. and uh, tough day at work, but otherwise life is uh, life is good. That's I would good. Say. I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad yeah. to hear it. How is the Swedish summer? Uh, the Swedish autumn, uh, you mean? Right, we're there, yep. are we? Yep, yep, yep. Okay. The thing is, it has basically rained every single day since June. Mm. I'm not kidding. I know. The same here, more or less. All oh, right, all yeah. right. Too much rain. Uh, yeah, too much rain for my taste. Um, but uh, today is sunny, so okay. perfect day to sit inside in front of a computer <laughs> and record podcast. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly yep, yep, it. Yep. No rain here, and here I am up in my office talking to you. Perfect, perfect. Um, so let's do this then. Okay, let's. Oh, sorry, do this. that's James's phrase. That's, let's do this. That's him. Yeah, I mean, he's 
He says that it's free for everybody to use, so it's okay. Oh, perfect, perfect. Uh, so, Andrew, when we wrote about this episode, you know, do it and blah, 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 and uh, I had some suggestions that uh, we should talk about, uh, and I asked you, do you mind tell us, the listeners and me, about Ars blog? And you said, mm, really, it felt like, felt like I've done this like a drizzillion times. Yeah. And you're totally right about that. Like, everyone has heard this story, not just once, not just <laughs> twice, but not just three times, you know. Uh, so we can totally skip that. But... Go. Uh, and usually to the guest, I have these questions like, when did you become an Arsenal supporter and why and, mm. and so forth. And to be honest, um, I don't mean to be rude to you or anything, but it fe- feels like you have done that, you know, a Drusillian times as well. Yes. Yes. So we're totally going to skip that. But, but I have two questions for you uh, in the same, you know, ballpark, so to speak. Okay. Uh, and the first question... Um, is w- a question w- which I feel is really, you know, interesting and specifically to you, since you, you know, you write about Arsenal and football every day. Mm-hmm. You talk about Arsenal and football basically every day as well mm-hmm. in podcast and everything. Um, so it feels like you have the biggest picture of Arsenal and football, uh, if you know what I mean. Like, but. You know this, you know better than every uh, anyone uh, that football is more th- more uh, than you, you know twenty two guys running on a football pitch back and forth chasing a ball. Yeah. There's so much more to it. You know, it's the tactical side, it's the mental side, it's the sport psychology side, uh, it's the history side. You know, it's the statistic side of it. Um, so, which side of the of Arsenal or football uh, more? do you prefer or is more like close to your heart if you if you if you get the question it's a really good I, you know what i've never been asked that question in all the interviews i've ever done all the podcasts i've ever done i've yes, never been asked nailed that question. It. um you know what i i guess it is the god that's really difficult because you know you know when i started watching football when i was a lot younger uh, mm-hmm. than i am right now Um, there wasn't really much beyond just the 22 guys running around on a pitch kind of Mm -hmm. thing. You buy your football magazine and you buy your, all the things and and you get little bits and pieces of, of interviews with players and stuff like that. But very, very rarely was there any kind of tactical analysis or anything Mm -hmm. like that. And I think one of the things that's been really interesting about doing Ars blog over the years is, the growth in that kind of stuff yeah. where you get, you know, much, much greater tactical analysis. You get much more uh, in the way of stats and things like that. And I have to sort of hold my hands up, right. And say, I am not the, the tactics guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not like Lewis Ambrose who does the tactics on, on our blog. I'm not yes. like Michael Cox who does zonal marking. You know, I, 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 I appreciate what they do and I love reading it because I, I find it, um, it sort of educates me in a way, you know, yeah, you yeah. learn new things and you're going, Oh, I can see because they look at the game in a different way than I do. Yeah. I um, totally I'm, not, understand. Saying, I'm totally not, understand. not saying it's better or worse or anything like that, but, but you know, it, it expands your horizons. And similarly with stats, you know, I'm not a numbers guy. I'm really not a numbers guy, like you know. Um, same, same. Scott, basically, we had Scott on a couple of episodes ago, and right. he was like uh, rambling on about stats, and I, 
I couldn't keep up, if you know what I mean. I, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, and yeah. I, again, I think it is because that is how they view, um, maybe not just football, but view the world through yeah. the prism of numbers and statistics and probabilities and things like that, which I, I just can't do. Uh, and again, it's not to say that I, I'm being dismissive of it. It's just that I recognize where perhaps I'm good. So to sort of go back to answer your question in a long way, I think it is the <laughs> the the emotional side of it, the 22 yeah. guys, the the you know the maybe the aesthetic side of it. You know, I enjoy good football, and that can be good attacking football or it can be great defending. You know, I was a defender my whole life and I love watching good defenders and last-ditch tackles and he heading away. Like, I enjoyed the the Crystal Palace game. Yes. Because, like, we defended you know, really well. Yes. And, you know, the fist, uh, fist not the fist bumps. Oh, fist pumping. Also the fist yeah. bumps. And, you know, after slide tackle, you know, Gabrielle in the Palace game yeah. after, you know, you know, it's like, yeah, come on. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love yeah. that side of it. Um, but I, you know, I'm I'm able now uh, to experience Arsenal and football, you know, in in different ways. Um, you know, the way that I always have and always have watched football, and um, and also with greater knowledge of maybe the tactical side, the statistical side, the you know, we know a lot more about a football club now, and we know a lot more about the players these days yeah. than we ever did. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's the long answer. It's like the emotional 22 guys running around, <laughs> fucking love it. But I also I also dig all the other stuff as well. And I, I really think it's, it's, you know, there's a lot of terrible, awful shit on the internet, right? What? Yeah, what? I know this is going to be a complete surprise to you and your yeah. listeners, but there's some fucking terrible, awful people on the internet doing terrible, awful things all day fucking long. But there's also people who bring a bit of joy, a bit of something new into your life, into something that you've, you've, uh, that's been part of your life for so long. So I think that is one of the great things that the, the internet has given us, this proliferation of new ways to look at and talk about and understand the game of football. Yeah, and it's like not one way is better than the other, right? It's like... Uh equally equally good so to speak but i'm totally with you i'm the same i'm an emotional guy like i said in the intro where emotions runs the show mm. that's that's why we do this I, me uh, anyhow uh to, you know watch a screen 22 guys running around and i can yell at the tv for two hours yeah and then like yeah that's it back to work and uh real life if you know what i mean sure uh, but I, I like, like you said, I like, I love to hear people, you know, tactics people like Louis Ambrose, like Pi, Clive uh, Palmer, who talk tactics. And I feel like you're such, I want to learn more about it um, mm. and so forth. But the emotional side, I'm totally with you there. Um, so the second question I got for you. Okay. Uh, Robert Pires. Mm. Well, I, I realize now that's not a question. No, it's, it's not. just a statement, <laughs> so to speak. But... You just said a guy's name. It could have been like any name. Yeah. Uh, but can you please tell us about your love for Robert Pires? Uh, because he's one of your favorite players, one of my favorite players as well throughout the years. And um, Robert Pires, yay. Oh, yay. Um, oh, yay. I mean, this again connects with what I said about loving the emotional slash aesthetic mm. style of the game. There's just something about the way he played that I really, really liked. Um, there was a sort of combination of incredible brilliance 
and perfectly timed scrappiness or scruffiness, yeah. if you like. Because Robert yep. Perez could score a goal from outside the box or he could cut inside a defender in the edge of the box and he'd curl a shot into the corner like he did against Tottenham one, mm-hmm. one game and it was a brilliant Woo-hoo. goal. Woo. Yeah. And, you know, he was also the guy that if, I don't know, Sylvain Wiltord or, or Thierry Henry took a shot and the goalkeeper made a save, who's there to yeah. just sort of stab it home from three or four yards? Robert Perez. He was that guy. And I love the way that he ran. He ran <laughs> like, like... Like a I, duck, yeah? Yeah, like <laughs> some kind of duck that's been yeah. injected with amphetamines and he's trying to escape a pack of duck killers who have been sent to take him out because he knows too much, this duck. <laughs> and those those duck assassins are, are going to be after him. But he's like, nah, you're not fucking catching me. And, and while Ronson does that, he scores a, a screamer I, I, in the top corner. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. You know, so not only has he got the ability to escape the duck murderers, he's got the ability to, um, you know, score a brilliant goal. I don't know. There's just something really stylish about him as well, wasn't there? He's a handsome guy. Yeah. The hair, the little stripy beard. And, you know, what's what's not to love? And I, I think this is a, a thing that, that that's really brilliant about football, right? Because this was an Arsenal team that was absolutely packed full of incredible players like Henri, like Bergkamp, like Jumberg. I apologize to all your listeners for pronouncing that no so worries, badly, no but you, you guys understand, I'm sure. Um, Patrick Vieira, yeah. Saul Campbell... Uh, Edu, Gilberto, you know, what an um, what an amazing team it was. And it was like, mm-hmm. every, but you can have your own favorite. It doesn't yeah. have to be, I mean, look, it helped that Robert Perez was a brilliant player, but but I also loved Philippe Senderos. I don't know why, I just loved him because he was a, you know, a center half who fell over a bit and maybe he reminded me of myself. But th- <laughs> this is what is great about football is that yes. you can love who you want. Mm-hmm. You you know, it's it's like the way the world should be. Everybody should be free to love who they want and nobody can say a word to them about it. And Robert Perez, I just connected with. Um, I loved how he played, um, the, the, the style. He was, you know, maybe sometimes a little bit of a prick as well on the pitch. I enjoyed that part of his, his game too. So Yeah, you need that side as well. Like Dennis Burkamp, my yeah. all-time favorite. He was, um, he, and still is, the GOAT, if you ask me. The mm-hmm. greatest player that ever played the game. But he was a, a dick on the pitch, you know. With Could the be. Studs up and arm bows and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's it. But, you know, um, everybody would have had their favorites. You know, like you ask 100 Arsenal fans and maybe... You know who's your favorite player from the Invincibles, and and maybe forty percent are going to say uh, Thierry Henry because mm. you know why the fuck yeah. not? Twenty yeah. percent will say Dennis Bergkamp, and but everybody will have their own favorite from that team and and from the the different generations that they you know that that really resonate with you as a fan. You know, there's periods where maybe you're in and out a little bit, uh, and I don't mean that it, your support wavers, but your investment in. Yes. Some of the players is not what it was. And I think very obviously that's linked with success and how good the team is. It's much easier to like players who are good, who, you know, do good things and aren't, you know, dickheads. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah in, exactly, in the, in the exactly. bad side of it, you know, um, couple your brilliance with a bit of dickhead on the pitch and everyone loves it. But if you're just a dickhead or if you're just a terrible player who who, who never learns from their mistakes, it's difficult to... Um, you know, to connect with that. And I think, you know, there's probably like a, 
a new generation of of Arsenal fans who are going to love these players that we have right now and fingers crossed they can go on and achieve success and win things you know this this will be their generation these yeah. will be the players that they absolutely love whereas you know for us Perez and Bergkamp and these guys you know they were our they were sort of our generation if you like yes. but they're but they're now they're now history yeah in, in a good way of course yeah of course and i think honestly that's the thing about football as well because a lot of a lot of things you know with football a lot of things is about nostalgia mm -hmm. you know like you, you don't remember all robert Perez's bad games so to speak you no. just remember the scream top screamers against uh, spurs and mm -hmm. everything uh and as a younger for me dennis Burkham, i was like 10 12 13 years old i just saw all the fucking amazing things he did and that's the thing i remember mm -hmm. Uh, so I think like football as a sport is it's a lot of nostalgia to it. And I was going to ask you, good thing you brought it up, you know, with this squad, current squad. Uh, no further comparison, but do you think it's like the same thing with this squad and the Invincible squad? You know, like maybe 40% would say that Bukayo Saka is their favorite in the current squad. Maybe 20% Martin Erdegaard. Um, mm. But, you know, everyone has their own favorites and everyone is equal as good if you know what i mean yeah yeah i mean i'm sure it will be a lot will depend on whether they can go on and and mm. you know win some trophies and lift some trophies and i think that will play a play a big part who is your favorite player in the current squad <sighs> andrew mm -hmm. i have to think <laughs> and <laughs> do you want me to tell you the, who mine is i just gonna answer the question and that's the thing whenever i get this question and you know in the current squad i always answer um, I can't answer that question because I love all my children equal as much. Ah, if you know what I mean. What a load of shit. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, but to be serious, I, I I always always had a soft soft spot for Zinchenko, even when he played in Manchester shit, shit. Oh, Manchester City. There you go. City, yes. Yeah, yeah. Manchester City. Um, I felt like they treated him, you know, not as good mm. as he should be treated. If you know what I mean. And I was. I was over my head when Arsenal signed him, you know, favorite player, coming from my favorite club, here we fucking go. Uh, so I guess I have to say uh, Zinchenko. Uh, okay. How about you? Ben White. Oh, that's a good shot. You know, again, a defender who is really, uh, you know, a, ver a very, very good defender, great on yeah. the ball. I love his personality. I know it probably winds some people up and, and maybe winds them up the wrong way. But I just, you know, I, I love the idea that this guy who doesn't really like football is mm -hmm. just so good at it. Yeah. Like, okay, he do, of course he likes football. That's wrong. He doesn't like yeah. watching football. And, and as fans, you know, I think that's that's a weird thing for us to try and, and get our heads around because we mm -hmm. watch, you know, minimum 38 games a season in the Premier League and then all the cup games and we'll have the European games. And then, yeah. you know, you watch match of the day or you watch whatever's going on on Sunday and you watch, you, you know, we like ah, football, 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 football. And yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. 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 yeah, I go to work, I train hard, I play hard, and then I don't fucking bother about football at all any other time. And I, I just think there's something so endearing about that. And endearing yeah. sounds maybe a little bit patronizing, but I, I love that he just doesn't care ab about football beyond when he goes out on that pitch for Arsenal. He is a huge competitor. He wants to win. He's got like elite mentality. Yes. And it's it's sort of 
you know, I find it hard to to square that particular circle, if you like, of this guy who doesn't care for football outside of simply playing football. Yeah. And uh, I love that. But, but Yeah, because that's the thing as well. Like when you say he doesn't care about football and then you see Ben White play in Arsenal and you say, well, he totally cares about football mm. because the way he plays like runs up and down and everything. And I can, speaking about when Ben White and doesn't, you know, fancy football and care about football, I can totally relate to that because me, I work as a preschool teacher. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and it's not like when I come home from work, you know, I do to preschool and I listen to preschool teachers' podcasts and, you, <laughs> you, you know, you know, it's, just, it's basically the same thing. But when I'm at work, I love my work I lo- and I'm mm. not to brag about anything, but I'm pretty damn good at it. Um, so I think it's basically the same thing. I mean, that's it. We all, um, I mean, look, I'm very lucky to be able to do what I do for, for my work as a living, but I think most people are the same. Like if you're working in an office, selling insurance, mm. um, you know, nine to five, Monday to Friday, what's the last thing you want to fucking think about any time outside of that? It is insurance. Yes. Um, and I suppose for some people, football is just a job. You know, maybe there's a guy who's just really fucking good at selling insurance, who hates insurance, but he's yeah, really yeah. good at selling it. And, you know, puts his food on the table and puts his family through college and all the rest of it. Um, but you know, when he's, uh, at the weekends, it's an insurance free zone, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you know, the th- thing about finding the balance with Ben White, maybe if, if he starts, you know, watch football every evening and every day and so forth, maybe get tired of it. Mm. That's when, you know, his, um, spark start to fade, if you know what I mean. Sure. I don't know. Yeah. Sure. Uh, one last thing about Robert Perez, which we talked about 10 minutes ago, <laughs> um, and this is kind of awkward for me, but I felt like I had to bring it up uh, either way. Do you remember when we met in London? Yes. In May? Do you remember? I remember uh, it was, to, it was yeah, in a bar. And, yeah, at the bar. At the bar. Upstairs. And I sat next to you. I sat uh, in front of Clive Palmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I f- felt like, in a way, I have to apologize to you because I was really drunk and, you know, everyone was having a good time. And the thing is, for the context for the listeners... Uh, this was the same day as the new Away kit came out. New way, uh, new home shirt, home shirt. Sorry, the right. new home shirt came out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so everyone, you know, talked about it, and little buzz about it. And the uh, same evening, I met with Rocky Nico. Do you know him? Familiar with him? Who? Rocky Nico. He's a big, huge, you know, Arsenal vintage shirt uh, seller. No, I don't know that. All right, uh, check him out. He okay. has great stuff. Um, I met up with him, I bought three shirts, and uh, then I met up with you guys. Okay. So I was next to you, uh, and then <laughs> I looked at you, and I remember, Osblock's favorite player is Robert Perez. Clive Palmer's favorite player is Patrick Vieira. What a coincidence. I have one Robert Perez shirt and one Patrick Vieira shirt in my backpack. So I brought it up and I like, showed you and everything. Then, and honestly, two seconds later, my brain is like, Philip, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, shit. Read the room for fuck's sake, Philip. Damn I, it. I did, but it I, felt like it landed anyways. So It was all good. Don't worry about great, it. Everybody great, had great. a few drinks. Inhibitions were down. You were taking things out of your backpack. It's all good. Yeah. Don't worry. It could it be worse things out of my backpack? I absolutely have no doubt about that. But you don't want to talk about those on air. You, know, you want to keep your listeners... Shh. So exactly. just, you yeah. know, keep, keep that stuff like, uh, 
Speaking about Robert Pires and Bukayo Saka, I just thought of something. We had a discussion a couple of episodes ago um, about uh, Arsenal shirts number. Mm-hmm. And I thought I'd run this with you re- just real quick. Uh, we had a discussion which shirt number is the most Arsenal-esque, if you know what I mean. Like Manchester United had the sevens with George, George Best, uh, David Beckham, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, not so much Angel Di Maria and Memphis mm. Depay, but that's another story. Um, I can't f- think of another club, uh, for example, but you know. Um, but the point is, could you say that seven is a typical Arsenal number as well? You know, you have your um, Rock and Roll Castle, mm-hmm. Charlie George, Robert Pires, Bukayo Saka in the current squad, Thomas Rositsky, uh, not so much Hendrik Mikitarian, but that's another story. Right, yeah. um, oh, what do you say? Cause, or is 14 the most Arsenal just because Henri the King, if you know what I mean? Mm. I mean, he did, he was the best player ever to wear 14, wasn't he? I mean, that's... Except Johan Cruyff, right? Did Cruyff wear 14? I think he did. Right. But either way, anyway, anyway. I mean, I think in terms of, you know, when you look at um, the players who wore 14 before Thierry Henry, uh, I'm just looking here. Apparently, Anders Limpar wore 14 at some point, but he might have just worn it for a bit, but he he was more of an 11. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Michael Thomas wore fourteen. Did he? You know, I, th- I think it was then in the era when they didn't have like uh, yeah fixed numbers. Uh, maybe exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So you know, Eddie McGoldrick, Martin Keown, Paul Davis, yeah, David Hillier, but Thierry Henry wore fourteen, and then it was Theo Walcott, then it was Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. Yeah. So he sort now of it's made, Eddie and yeah. he, he's made it. Yeah, he's made it a number that 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 people really want. I think as well, maybe another good. Arsenal number is four. Four? That's a good shout. Really because good of shout. Vieira, you know? Yeah. Vieira was four. Fabregas was four. Yes. Mertesacker was four. I think Tony Adams wore four at one point as well. So I I feel like that's a good a good number. But, you know, you'd need to... If you really wanted to make an Arsenal number, like, surely some player should, should choose 49. Like a, f- a oh, first-team yeah. player should choose 49 and just be iconic in that number. Yes. Do you know what I mean? So you get yes, that whole invincible exactly. thing. Why hasn't everyone, anyone thought about that? I don't know. Oh. I don't know. Hmm. Like, you know, that's the thing. Because every other club has, you know, 1 to 11. And they've got great players who played in 1 to 11 down the yeah. year. So it's very difficult to stand out. In, in just one to eleven, but if you're forty nine or or three thousand and eight, <laughs> you know that would be you know imagine if if we the next Bakayo Saka comes through the academy bursts into the first yeah. team and he's wearing the number three thousand and eight, yeah. A the club would be fucking chuffed because they'd have you know they'd have to sell so many more numbers on the backs yeah, of shirts. Yeah, yeah. We could probably afford a load more good players as well. So someone needs to think about these kinds of things behind the scenes. You know, maybe Ethan Waneri can wear 3,008 when he makes it into the first team. And that's really modern, you know, in the in football today as well. Like Alexander-Arnold has 66 because he had 66 in the academy. Um, yeah. What's his face? Uh, Palmer in Manchester City. He has 82, I think. The same year reason. he was born? Uh, sorry? Was that the year he was born? <laughs> maybe it was no, I don't no. know <laughs> I think he's much younger than that actually my maths is uh, no good I told you I'm not a numbers guy 
I, I, no worries, no worries. <laughs> and Phil Foden, f- 47, you know. Th- so that started to be a thing in football. Mm. Like, you keep your number and you keep it all throughout the years. Declan Rice. Uh, Declan Rice, another example. Great. Uh, so maybe if some kid from the academy has, you know, number 1043 yeah. or something. Just keep it. Never change. Yeah. Never change it. Become like the most Arsenal number of all time. Yes, that's a that's a big challenge, but someone has to do it, mm-hmm. right? For sure. Uh, all right. Enough about numbers. Uh, moving on. Um, this season, Andrew, uh, we have played three games or mm-hmm. four, if you include uh, Community Shield. Um, what's your thought of your of the season so far? I mean, seven points out of nine is is not bad. Mm-hmm. You know, considering there was a season a couple of years ago where we started with no points from our first that's, three games. That's no good. And and that season actually ended up, uh, you know, quite all right. I mean, in the, in relatively speaking, you know, we could see the improvement in there. Um, you know, I think there's there's been a bit, quite a bit of change. You know, a lot of things are different. Yeah. Gabrielle's not playing. We haven't had Zinchenko at left back. We've got Declan Rice in midfield. We've got Partey at right back. We've got Havertz in there. We haven't had Gabriel Jesus for most of the season. You know, there's a lot of things that are different. And I sort of understand why we haven't really been as fluent as you would like. Mm. Uh, Even if I think we have played pretty well in all of our games, you know, Obviously, the defending against Fulham was not brilliant. You know, we've got to we've got to cut that sort of early goal. What's the word I'm looking for here? Bullshit. Yeah, bullshit. Bullshit. Also, also good word. Yeah. Um, I think we should cut that kind of bullshit all the way out. We should get some duck assassins to yes, go and, and 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 find that and just put it out of its misery. And but apart from that, you know, we've had chances and, we, you know, we should have won. I think we should have won the Fulham game. There's no question yeah. in my mind we should have won that Fulham game. If we won that game 2-1, you know, if we don't make another mistake, I think everyone's everyone's pretty happy about the way the season has shaken out so far. Three games, three wins, nine points. What more do you want? You know, but but I think there is an expectation of performance and performance level that we demonstrated last season that that we haven't got there. We haven't yeah. got to that point yet. So I understand why people are a bit, maybe a little bit cautious, a little bit worried about things like that. Um, but, you know, it, it, it is maybe going to take a little bit of time. Um, so, yeah, some some patience, I think, is is required. And, you know, the players and the manager, you know, they've got to find a way to, like... Uh, <laughs> It's not like I think, you know, oh, we're going to be brilliant in one game and then we're going to be brilliant from there on. Mm. I think we're looking at, you know, more incremental improvement in our performances as yes. as the season goes on and as the players get to know each other and the relationships develop and, and everything else. So, you know, I, I, I do think it's, you know, you always want better and you always want more, but, you know, we've had much worse starts to the season and I think, um, you know, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic i think is a good way of putting it uh that's a that's a good way to put it Mm -hmm. i I would say uh speaking about change because that's the thing about you know i think uh with the start of the season there's a lot of change uh like you said we haven't played zinchenko because of injury jesus and injury uh but we have seen other change as well like thomas Partey at right back uh another center back pairing uh, Declan Rice is in the starting eleven and so forth, and mm. that's the thing. You know, looking back to last season, 
everyone, or not not everyone, but you know, the talk was about we need to be more versatile. We need to change things to become unpredictable, if you know what I mean. Mm. And this season, it felt like we had done that. You know, we versatile. We change things to be more unpredictable. And now, at the other hand, people start to start to start to say like, I don't want change. Bring the old things back, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's a bit of that. Uh, and I find it confusing myself because last season we were so freaking fucking good when we were good. Uh, so we, I want to see that again. But at uh, the other hand, I know that we need to be more unpredictable and we need to be change things up a bit. So I, I don't know. It feels it feels like Arteta has looked at you know the three first games, uh, which on paper is like easy games, if you know what I mean, mm. and felt like all oh, right, those three games. I can start to implement something new, change it up a bit. Then when United comes up this weekend, boom, back to basics. We know how to do that. And then, you know, mm. further forward, some easier games, so to speak, we can go back and, you know, change things up a bit. I, I don't know. It feels like he treated this first three games like a, almost like a, I don't want to say preseason, but like in half preseason, if you know what I mean. Yeah, maybe. Like, you know, I said this on the, the, the Arscast Extra with James this week. Like, I don't really think, and this is just my personal opinion, you know, people can disagree if they want, but I don't really think the party at right-back stuff is is as much about tactical innovation and, and being unpredictable as it is about Gabriel being out of the team. And I think there's something about that situation which doesn't feel right to me and I think what he what he's I mean it just looks to me like he's not willing to pick Gabrielle at this moment that's what it looks like yeah 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 and yeah, I can totally the, see that. the yeah. solution to that is you know play two good center halves together which is Ben White and William Saliba mm-hmm. and then what else have you got at right back because uh, actually uh, Jurian Timber's injured and Zinchenko's not fully fit yet, uh, and and it feels like this is kind of all we've got if mm-hmm. you don't pick Gabriel, that this is the best way to set up the team. I think if you have Gabriel in the team, there's no way Thomas Partey's at right back. So, you know, I don't, I, I can sort of see people saying, yeah, yeah, he's trying something different, and I get it. You know, when, when things are different, you know, we all say, oh, we want to be more unpredictable. We want greater variation in our tactics, but ultimately change is weird and scary. Yeah, and we yeah, don't yeah. like change, um, but you know the 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 start of last season, there was a change that people immediately got very comfortable with because we were, you know, I'm sure you thought about it and your listeners thought about it and everyone was thinking about it. It's like, well, he's got Ben White and William Saliba mm-hmm. for the right centre back position. Who is going to play? Yeah, yeah. Who's going to play out of those two? Which one of those is going to sit on the bench? Yes, and then it was like, yes. oh, he's playing Ben White at right back. Oh, look, mm-hmm. Ben White is really fucking good at, at right back. Best right back in the league. Exactly. You know, yes. so, so out in my mind. So I, you know, if you if you try and compare those situations, those decisions, that decision twelve months ago was about how do I get two really good players into the team, and I don't know that you could make the same argument for. Thomas Partey at right back. And I don't think he's been terrible there or anything like it. I think he had a poor game against Fulham. I think he was okay in the other two games. But I don't really think that is about 
developing something new for the long term. Like, I, you know, I don't really expect to see Thomas Partey at right back against Manchester United, that's for sure. I agree, I agree. And like I said, I don't think this is a plan long term. Like, I don't think we will see Thomas Partey play right back uh, when May comes, if you know what I mean. Mm, no, no, unless uh, there's injuries yeah. or I, something, you know? I, yeah, and I think like more, I think a lot of this uh, also depends on Zinchenko's injury, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like, Arteta probably thinks, like, I, I don't know what he thinks, but probably thinks like, I have to invert somewhere. Like, not from the left, where Zinchenko is and Timber mm. is out as well. All right, I might as well invert from the right. Which player do I get there? Uh, not Tomiyasu, because he's come around, covering up left back. Um, I got uh, Ben White now. He needs to play central. Well, it's just Thomas Partey, and I can put him up midfield when we got possession and everything is fine. Mm. And, you know, in theory, that sounds like a good plan, you know, because Arsenal wants to have as much as possession as possible, if you, if you know what I mean. Sure. So, Basically, if Arsenal have 100% possession, Thomas Partey would never, ever have to play, you know, right back. Yeah. Yeah, so in theory, that's a good plan. But in real life, uh, I agree with you. It hasn't really worked out as well as you might wish. Mm. Yes. I mean, look, people can people have their own theories on it. This is why it goes back to what we were talking about. People can make a, a tactical uh, argument for this. Yes. You know, my my gut feeling is that there's something more to uh, the situation because of what's going on with Gabrielle, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, all right. Um, next topic, or I got a question for you. Uh, I sh- maybe I should put it. Um, okay. In the regular pod, like I said in the beginning, this is a bonus episode, but you didn't agree with that one, but I still like to call it bonus episode so I can, you know, do... Uh, bonus things, so to speak. Sure. Um, in the usual pod, in the regular pod, after every game, uh, one of us in the podcast crew uh, gives out points to the uh, to uh, three players uh, from every game. Like the best player got three points, ne- uh, second best two points, third best one point. Okay. And then all these points goes to um, table. And then in May we s- we'll see which player basically has been the best player throughout the whole season. Um, I'll not go do this with you uh, for the last game, but I thought I'd do it with you for the uh, three first games. So the, mm. sec- the best player in Arsenal, uh, all three games, second best and third best. Oh my goodness. Maybe I should wrote this to you. in. Uh, yeah, beforehand. maybe just give me a chance <laughs> to think about it um, rather than think about it on the fly. But you're a professional, Andrew. You can do this. Uh, okay, I can do this. I can do this. Uh, I am going to say the best player is William Saliba. Mm. That's a good shout. And I'm going to say the second best player. So three points to Saliba then to our table. Okay. Yes. I'm going to say the second best player, Declan Rice. Just really quick on Declan Rice. Mm. Hasn't he been really, really, really good? You know, that's his first three games in our competitive Arsenal games. And he, I think he's been outstanding. He's been really, really, really good. Yes, I agree. I think he's been really good. Um, I think he's settled in very quickly. I think he likes the role. He likes the responsibility. And, you know, he looks like a guy who's 
you know, confident and and has connected with his teammates and and everything else. So, yeah, I'm very pleased with how it's gone so far with him. Yes, me too. Like, no fuss about it. He just comes in and here I am. Let's fucking do this. Let's fucking let's do, do this. Let's do this. He says. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, all right. One point. Third best player in Arsenal. His uh, um, first three games. I am going to say. Hmm. <laughs> that is what I was going to say. Are you for reals? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Like, I, I thought bought, he was unlucky. I just bought his shirt. I thought he was unlucky not to start against Fulham. Yeah, I agree. He's got two goals. Um, You know, I think when we heard about the injury to Gabriel Jesus, we were all a bit worried and we, yep. we, we uh, you know, concerned, obviously, for obvious reasons, but also, like, what would the impact be on the team? But Eddie scored in the opening game against uh, Nottingham Forest. Mm-hmm. He scored in the game against Fulham, a goal that probably should have been the winner. Or maybe, you know, we should have gone and scored another goal before um, we made mistakes and let, and let Fulham back into it. But I think he had a really positive impact in that second half. Because uh, I, I thought Trossard had a, a difficult game. I didn't think it was his best performance uh, against uh, against Fulham. So I'm going to give it to Eddie. I'm gonna give it to Eddie. I just think he, he he gets a bit of stick, but you know he's come up trumps in in the first two games. But Kai Osaka's got two goals as well. Um, you know the goal against Forest was absolutely amazing, and the yes. penalty against Fulham. But he just won an award last night. You know he won the PFA Young Player of the Year award. So let's let Bakayo Saka have that, and Eddie and Kedia can have one imaginary point on a podcast. I think that's fair. <laughs> I kind of feel sorry for Enikedia now. Like, Bukayo Saka gets all the rewards, but he gets one imaginary point in my scrappy notebook. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, speaking about the, the PFA award for Bukayo Saka, mm. uh, and Ramsdale, and Erdegaard, and Saliba as well, because they were, you know... They're in the in team the... of the season, yeah. Exactly, exactly. But Bukayo Saka, eh? we can do this again. Bukayo Saka. He's so, he's so f- amazingly good, as I think. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's almost like you run out of words to describe how good he is, if you know what I mean. I mean, he's 21. Yeah, I know. He's only 21. Yes. It's like scary how good this, this guy can be. Um, you know, to, to be producing what he's producing on a consistent basis at that age is is genuinely remarkable. It really is. You know, we've had some brilliant players who've come through at Arsenal down the years, and and I can't really remember one who has has got so much end product at such a young age. Maybe Nicholas Anelka is the one that you could, because they play in forward positions. So, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, someone like Cesc Fabregas, you could see immediately is a quality player. But even then, it took a, a few seasons for Cesc to really find his shooting boots and to start delivering goals on a consistent basis you know every season he's come into the team but Kyosaka scored more and assisted more so you know I'm really really excited to see what what he can do in the years ahead and I think you know when we talk about transfer markets and all that kind of stuff one of the one of the best things we did this year was make sure that we got Kyosaka a new contract and yeah uh, I agree I agree I'm I'm so so excited to see him this season and beyond 
Yes, yes. One last thing. Did you see the interview with uh, Saka? You know, when they show him the fans, when uh, the fans have to choose, like, who do you rather win the league or oh, uh, lose yes. Bukayo Saka? Yeah, Did yeah, you see yeah. that? I saw that. That was very, yeah. uh, that was very heartwarming, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, really. And it, you can almost see tears dropping down from his, you know, uh, eyes. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah. For real, yeah, real. And that's the difference be- between. Uh, not the difference, but a difference between Nicolas Anelka and uh, Bukayo Saka. Bukayo Saka has a heart of gold, you might say. And Nicolas Anelka, he was an amazingly good footballer, but wasn't he a, a bit of an asshole? Yeah, I mean, he was, yeah. but he was, you know, uh, uh, there's a difference as well in that Bukayo Saka is, you know, he's been at Arsenal since he was true, nine true. years of age. Yeah. Uh, Nicolas Anelka came to Arsenal from PSG when he was 17, something like that. So he doesn't, he, would never have had that connection with the club or not never Fair. some players can some players can come to a club from abroad at a young age and really connect with the club and and the club really you know becomes important to them but it's different if you've grown up in london if you've been at the academy since you were a, a small kid and and you've made your way through to the first team i think there's something very special about that you know and i think that's true of you know any kind of uh, homegrown player at any club, whether it's, um, you know, Saka or you, know, you mentioned Foden earlier on, you know, mm-hmm. it's the same kind of situation for him and, and guys who come from Marcus Rashford, you know, yeah. at Manchester United, that, that this is their club. And, you know, a lot depends in a football career on the trajectory of the club uh, and the trajectory of your talent aligning, you know, yeah, we're. I think we're very lucky in that Bakayo Saka is starting to become extremely good at the same time that Arsenal are good again. You know, maybe we'd find it a lot. I think not. No, not coincidence. <laughs> of course, he's played his part. But I just mean that that you know, from our perspective as fans, it's it's comforting to know that you know we can fulfill, hopefully, fulfill the ambitions that he has to yes. win things. Whereas maybe four years ago, if Bakayo Saka is 21, he's looking at the mess and going, <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'm, you know, I, I can't deal with this yeah. nonsense. I've got to go somewhere else. And that's kind of what happens in football. So it's nice timing. That's all I mean. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it feels like, it feels like Bakayo Saka is the, what's the English word? Like the talisman of this team? Talisman, for, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for the fans and everything. So, um, sure. yeah, exciting times for uh, him and Arsenal this season. Because it felt like, speaking of Arsenal, the three, the first three games felt like it hasn't gone off to, a, a, you know, the greatest of starts. Mm-hmm. Same with Bukayo Saka, I would say. Uh, but, you know, it's how many games are there left? Like 175, so... Hopefully it will. Yeah, I mean, going. you know, yeah, this is it. It's, it's, um, you know, I think he he hasn't quite reached his heights. Neither is the team. So hopefully, in the uh, in the weeks and months ahead, we get to see that. Yeah. Uh, all right. Moving on. Uh, we got a couple of questions for you. Okay. Or for us, uh, rather. Um, the first one is from at uh, Arsenal underscore Bula from Twitter. Uh, morning. Um, is it normal to still be pissed off and feel annoyed after the draw against Fulham? Do we have too big demands at the team when we ex- expect them to win every single game? Every single lost point feel like, feels like a big blow when we are hunting City. That's absolutely true. 
That's mm-hmm. absolutely true. Um, whether it's normal to still feel pissed off, you know, um, that's up to that's up to you. That's up to each person how long they want to let that thing stew around and fester in their minds and and everything else. You know, obviously, it's really annoying to to drop two points, particularly yes. in the manner that we did. Yes. Um, yes. But I feel like if we can if we can get a good result against Manchester United on Sunday, that will help that feeling of frustration go away. So yeah. I hope we can do that. That's the thing about the, the upcoming game against United. It feels like, I don't want to, you know, go too big on it, but almost it feels like, you know, if we win there, we are really off to something. But if we lose, mm. little alarm bells start to ring. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. 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 All right. Next question uh, at, from at Macan underscore Carlson uh, from Twitter. Uh, he's writing in Swedish, so I try to translate it in my brain and head really, really quick right now. Okay. Uh, and, uh, you know, to sum it up, uh, a lot of talk about the atmosphere at the Emirates now, and it's uh, um, gone worse. Do you say that? It's been yeah, it's... Wor- worse than last year, uh, anyhow. Mm-hmm. Um, Ashburton Army hasn't got... Uh, uh, same amount of tickets as last year and the new ticket system ticket system and everything um, uh, has changed it for the worst or is this just Twitter bullshit? Um, I don't know do because I, I haven't been there this season. I haven't All been right. over yet for a game this season. You know, I have to say when Eddie and Keddie scored the goal against Fulham on Saturday, the Emirates sounded pretty fucking good to me. Yeah, It sounded like the place was, was absolutely rocking. Um, so I think we just need to give it a bit more time. Of course, it's still very early days in the season. I can see, you know, from what people are saying and what people are talking about, that there are some issues, particularly with the new ballot system and ticketing system that I think is, Mm -hmm. you know, is very frustrating for, for fans. But, you know, again, that because I'm not a season ticket holder, because I'm not, trying to buy tickets every week. I, I, I find it very difficult to comment on ticketing issues mm. uh, it, with any sort of authority or anything like that. And I do think there are representative groups like the Arsenal Supporters Trust, um, Red Action, etc., etc., who are there to, to sort of liaise with the club and to to sort of be that bridge between the club and the and the wider fan base, so that when issues like this arise, they can be dealt with in a, in a productive way. So you know, I don't know if it's worse. Um, I, I, I like I said, it sounded good against Fulham until obviously we, we let that goal in, and then it, yeah. it sort of got up again. Like, what would have happened if Fabio Vieira had smashed that ball in the top corner in the ninety fourth minute? Do you think anybody would be? in any way complaining about the atmosphere. That's I don't a really think good so. point. That's I think, a really, really good point. I think you know. some of it is tied to yeah. the result. And mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. it's a disappointing result, you can immediately say, well, it wasn't as much fun as, you know, but it's it's the result. Wasn't it Wenger used to say, like, it's a symbiosis, you know, the yeah. crowd and the players, the players and the crowd, you know, mm-hmm. it's not just one fault, one person's not person, but if you know, you know yeah. what I mean, you can not just blame the team or the crowd, like they go together more well, well, or less I mean, every look, time. Why was last season so much better? Because we played so much better. And, and it was we, fun. It we was fun. won. We won yeah, a lot won. more games. Yeah. You know, we won a lot more games. And that that is how 
that that sort of influences how you think about the atmosphere. And I'm not saying for a second that there wasn't like an improved level of support because there was, because we had examples of, was it Saliba scored an own goal against Leicester? Yes. And rather than everybody going, ah, oh, fucking, fuck, 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 there was, it was like, it was like, come on, lads, you know, let's yeah. get, let's get going here. And that's great. And I think that, that kind of thing is really important as well. So I'm not saying it, it was just one thing. It was the two way street. It was that symbiotic thing, but ultimately it boils down to results. And that yeah. is what makes yeah. people happy at the end of the day. And if you're winning a lot of games, you're going home happy. You're uh, hugging strangers in the stands. You're going to a bar. You're pulling things out of your backpack to, uh, to show <laughs> Irishmen. And you know, this is what, this is what happens. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Uh, one last question. Okay. Um, I don't want to take too much of your time. Um, it's from uh, Fredrik Bjelkne. Uh, obviously, Havertz is a new player and things takes time to set in with new teammates and a new club, etc., etc. But how long uh, patience should Arteta have with Havertz before he put him on the bench? Uh, lots of comments, what he is doing without the ball, but with the ball, we haven't seen that much so far. Should we not demand more from a sixty million pound player, despite his his new at the club? I, you know, I see both sides of it. I see both mm-hmm. sides of it. You you spend sixty five million pounds on a player, he's Premier League experience, and he should be able to come in and make an impact. And actually, you know, I don't think he was. I think he was good in our first game. He wasn't at all bad in the second game against Crystal Palace, where I think he I've, gave us an outlet. Yeah, I uh, thought it was really good uh, against Palace, yeah. actually. So, and he wasn't great against um, Fulham, but then neither was Thomas Partey, neither was uh, Leandro Trossard. Uh, we talked about Bukayo Saka maybe not having his best game. I don't think mm-hmm. he had a very good game against Fulham, even though he scored the goal. So I see both sides. You know, I think he's, uh, some of the criticism is a bit, premature a bit too soon i think he is carrying some chelsea baggage which i understand nobody likes chelsea and nobody likes that baggage nobody likes that 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 baggage you know but i think he he needs more time i think you know any player needs more time he's also being asked to do a different job for arsenal this season than than he was doing for chelsea and did we not talk at the very start of this podcast about how many things have changed in the team like maybe it's easier for havertz if you've got uh, you know, a back four of Saliba and Gabriel, and you've got Ben White at right back, and Bakayo Saka is more impactful because he's got that connection with Ben White, uh, you know, maybe it is just easier for someone like Kai Havertz if the other pieces of the team are are functioning the way they should. Like we've had a different left back in all three games. Yes, you know, and that's ostensibly the side that he's playing on. He's playing on that left side. You know, maybe after two games, he starts to build a relationship with Jurian Timber. They get to know each yeah. other a little bit better. They get to know each other's movement a little bit better. And maybe in the Fulham game, you know, Havertz benefits from Timber or Timber benefits from Havertz and we're having a very different conversation. Instead, it was Timber in the first game, Tamiyasu in the second game, Kivior in the third game, and then Zinchenko for like uh, an hour or half an hour of the third game as well. So it was yeah. like four different left backs. And, and um, you know, I, I would like to see more, definitely. I think he can do more. I'd like him I'd like to see him maybe it's not exactly his personality but I'd like to see him be a bit more uh, decisive in yes. moments you know particularly mm-hmm. on the ball I would like to see a bit more from him but you know I, it's three games and we yeah. we we have to 
be realistic enough to understand that sometimes it takes even a very good player time to settle at a new club and to learn a new system and learn new tactics. And Robert Perez, the first <laughs> half of his yeah. first season at Arsenal, not much happened. Yes. Not much yeah. happened. Yeah. And then, well, the rest is history. So I'm not saying Kai Havertz is going to be the new Robert Perez, but you know, other good. How long did it take Dennis Bergkamp to score a goal? How long did it take exactly. yeah. uh, Thierry Henry to score a goal mm-hmm. when, when Arsene Wenger played him as a striker? You know, I know these are not exact comparisons or anything like that, but you have to, I think you have to just allow some time. And if we're sitting here in two months' time or mm-hmm. three months' time and Kai Havertz is still struggling, then, mm, yeah, we have a conversation. And those alarm bells that you mentioned earlier, they're going to be going like crazy. But for now, uh, you know, let, let's give the guy a bit of time to settle in and, and see what he can do. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's like, it's just three games, everyone. It's just three games. And it hasn't been like really, really bad. Mm. Have one off game against Fulham. But one last thing, uh, speaking about habits. Do you think, um, and how do I put this? Do you think, like comparing to Declan Rice, because he is all, also a new player. Like mm-hmm. we said from the beginning, he's off to a rocket, rocket start. Uh, you think is the second best player after three games? Like, do you think like people compare Havertz to Rice? Like, if Rice can do this, why can can't he do it? He's yeah. also new. Rice is new. I, like, I, yeah, I see that. I see that. But also, they're two different people playing in two different positions, and maybe maybe it's easier for for Rice. I don't. You know, I don't know. It's there's no exact science. There's no rule or law that says well because this one guy did this. That guy should be able to do that, you know? I agree. If that's how it worked in the world, it'd be a much more fucking simple place, wouldn't it? We wouldn't have, you know, half the problems that we do. But but the reality is that, you know, you've got 11 individuals and you're trying to fit them into a collective system. And And chasing the ball. 22 guys running around. Yep. And, um, you know, there's just no hard and fast rules to this stuff. Otherwise, you know, we'd all be football managers and very rich and, you know, no one would question anything we did because we'd get everything right, you know? So, you know, human beings are fallible. So That's the thing. That's the thing. This is uh, not robots we talk about uh, as human beings. Um, Andrew? Mm Mm-hmm. I've seen now. I kept you for way too long. Um, we should wrap this up. That's okay. I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll add a little bit onto the invoice just to cover that extra time. Don't worry. Uh, okay. 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 Um, <laughs> okay. 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 Uh, thank you very much, uh, Andrew, for coming on. It, it's been my pleasure and a blast. Thank you very much. My pleasure, and um, thank you for having me on again. And uh, big hello to all of our Swedish gooners who might be listening to this. Um, yeah. Thanks. We'll we'll talk soon. Hopefully, we we'll see you in uh, see you in May and see what I bring up from my backpack then. What what will it? Hope it's not duck assassins. That's all. <laughs> you never know. You never know. You never know. Uh, all right. Talk later later this season. And um, like I said, it's an exciting times ahead of us. For sure. All right. Um, all right. Thanks, Philip. Have a great one. So that was Andrew R's blog Mangan. Uh, that was a kind of quick goodbye and quick outro. So I felt like I had to do an end bit. Um, thanks a million to Andrew. And if you want to read his stuff, 
You do that on arsblog.com, obviously. And if you want to hear his stuff, so to speak, you do that on uh, the best Arsenal podcast there is, which is Arscast. It comes out every Monday, every Friday, and uh, you can become a patron member and so forth. Uh, all right. So ne- next week we are back on Monday and hopefully talk about a w- win over Man United. Uh, Tobias is back. Oscar, I don't know uh, when he's coming back. Uh, Oscar, if you hear this, when are you coming back? Yeah, all right. Uh, Have a great weekend, everyone. And thanks a million for listening, uh, sharing, comment, retweeting and everything. It means a lot for everyone uh, doing this podcast. Uh, Thanks again. So, talk to you Monday after a good win over Man United. Until then, have a good week and a good weekend. Ooh, to be a gooner.